Yo, 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 what is going on? It's your humble correspondent here, John Ross, Marcus Scott. It's coming back to you with the Way Too Much JMC podcast. How's everybody doing? Hope y'all had a great week. Great weekend. Enjoy the weather with your kids. Got outside a little bit. We had a wonderful weekend ourselves. Got to spend a little bit of quality time with all my kids, coach a bunch of kids up all that. So I've had a, I've had a real good one. So I hope y'all have as well. After you listen to the show, if you like what you hear, you can find me going forward on Rumble or YouTube as far as video podcasts go, or you can find me on pretty much any of the audio podcast platforms that you listen through, whether it be Apple or Spotify or Amazon or iHeartRadio, pretty much all of them. Just search way too much JRMC, that's W-A-Y, the number two, M-U-C-H-J-R-M-C, because my name is John Ross Marcus Cox. Only boss people like that have four names. My mom knew who I was going to be. So, let's get started tonight. It's it's late. I'm going to post this thing on Monday. All right, but it's like I can't even go to sleep if I talk about this stuff. So, yes, we had a great weekend, but, I mean, stuff just keeps getting more frustrating. And we and I, I mean, we're just, we're tired, we're just tired of all of it. Three different things happened over the last week that brought this episode on first of all my wife's had a couple conversations this week with multiple group different groups of women in which there were females in the group that thought it was totally acceptable to give some of them their toddlers others their older kids just Unlimited amount of screen time with no supervision. They thought it was. They thought it was just like unthinkable to not to like limit their exposure or to do what we do. We just took the damn things away. Our, our kids' iPads sitting over here and they had them in a month and they would never get them back. When that Mr. B stuff came out, where he's like, Sidekick was all trans stuff. I was like, eh, it's done. We're done. If we're up, if we're up, in, up in the living room, or something, and there's something specific they're like they're wanting to learn about. My son, you know, he's been crazy on this like on these uh, Ruby's cube deals, and he wanted to learn how to do it. And you know, they got these other things called like pyraminxes and all kinds of stupid stuff. You know, but he wanted to learn how to. Do it. I was like, okay. Search up your, your your Ruby's Cube deal. I think I mean I thought you were just supposed to try to learn it on your own, prove you're a genius. But I guess any I guess anyhow, I would it would have never got solved probably. He's got his daddy's genes in him, so we let him watch that, or we watch like na- nature things together or something. But like never little seven nine inch screens from their face. Uh, never again. It'll never happen. They thought that was crazy. And in both scenarios, the the rebuttal was, well, they'll just, they will just uh, rebel in their older age, or, you know, as they get older. And I thought, you know what, you're right. I mean, those parents that just let their kids get drunk when they're, when they're like sophomores, years in high school, they're, you know, like, I mean, you got to do it. Otherwise, they might go to college and not, 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 they won't know how to handle getting hammered. You gotta let them have premarital sex, or, or they'll just be having sex like rabbits when they get to college. 
You gotta let them have sex in the basement when they're in high school, right? Oh, you oh you shouldn't do that. Okay, well, we gotta stop thinking these screens and stuff are any different. That the addiction is any different than drugs, alcohol, or that. We gotta think. We gotta realize that it's just as bad, if not worse. Then I read this article about the. I mean, I want you to listen for a second. It's called the Fat Acceptance Movement. Okay, and it's not fringe. We're gonna talk about that a little bit. And then just more and more keeps coming out on the LGBTQ stuff in schools, society, all that. I mean, it's like just crazy stats and articles, and honestly, even like a del- there was a Twitter post I commented on last night. It's been deleted now. Where this woman thought that professional women should have a different way of being addressed than normal women. You know, they have ladies and gentlemen. That, but if you're a professional woman, you should be more than ladies. Because, you know, like... All those homeschool moms that have, like, loving husbands that want to come home to them at night and, like, get them in the sheets. And, like, want to do right by them and love their kids. You know, they're, they, they live terrible lives. They, then they're not... It's impossible they're smart. They would have to be stupid to want to stay home and have a happy family or not work 80 hours. Just want to work a normal job. You know, just want to be like a teacher. I mean, like, those people are crazy. You know, just, you know what I'm saying? If you're not wanting to be on the road for five days a week and have a nanny raising your kids, you're a crazy person. So I'm like, I mean, honestly, I'm I'm just fed up in general. So if I sound frustrated, it's actually not just that I'm struggling to talk because I'm I, was, I smoked a pack of palm olives earlier today and I'm a little hoarse now. It's not actually that. So if you notice the title, we're going to talk first thing about under. And I mean, I've been trying to place what's been going on in our in our society, our culture for like the last year and a half, and I just like I'm, you know, I'm I'm an idiot, so I I didn't know the. I didn't know the formal term. You know, when you're, you know when you're in like middle school and stuff, and you finally you learn something like math or in math or English class or something. You'd be like, oh, so that's what that's called. And you're like, so wait, these people are just famous because they figured out they didn't figure out anything new. They just decided since no one else had named it, they were going to name it and make it like a theory or something, right? That's what this is, but it's actually genius. So this thing's called the Dunning. Kruger effect. Okay. And this thing is basically it occurs when a person's lack of knowledge and skills in a certain area causes them to overestimate their own competence. Okay, so I'm going to give you a different way here. So this concept of the Dunning-Kruger effect is based on a 1999 paper by Cornell University psychologist David Dunning and Justin, Justin Kruger. The pair tested participants on their logic, grammar, and sense of humor and found that those who performed in the bottom quartile rated their skills far above average. For example, those in the 12th percentile self-rated their expertise to be on average in the 67th, 62nd percentile. The researchers attributed the trend to a problem of metacognition, the ability to analyze one's own thoughts or performance. Those with limited knowledge in a domain suffer a dual burden. Not only do they reach mistaken conclusions and make regrettable errors. 
like regrettable maybe by encouraging kids to chop their junk off. But their incompetence robs them of the ability to realize it. What causes this Dunn-Kruger effect, you might ask? Confidence is so highly prized. I'm going to let y'all see this over here. So highly prized that many people would rather pretend to be smart or skilled than risk looking inadequate and losing face. Even smart people can be affected by the Dunn-Kruger effect because having intelligence isn't the same thing as learning and developing a specific skill. Many individuals mistakenly believe that their their experience and skills in one particular area are transferable to another. And the basic the basic definition I gave on this site, Psychology Today, was the Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias in which people wrongly overestimate their knowledge or ability in a specific area. This tends to occur because a lack of self-awareness prevents them from actually assessing their own skills. Consequently enough, on the flip side of that, this Dunning-Kruger effect can also cause those who excel in a given area to think the task is easy for everyone and thus fail to realize their own abilities. Well, people, this, I mean, listen, we've just hit the jackpot on this thing. I, I just figured out I did it, okay? I'm not, failing, I'm not failing to realize that I'm not that smart. I actually am, right? No, wait. I'm, I think I'm succumbing to this. But I'm, listen, I really, I, I'm, this is the problem. We're allowing everyone that is suffering from the Dunning-Kruger effect. What I'll say in the South, we probably would have, we probably, if we were to name it, we'd call it like the bless your little heart effect. You know, those times whenever you'd come in from college or whatever and you'd say, like, you'd try to act smart and your, your mama would say, oh, well, bless your little heart. Because they knew, like, like you, it's so sweet, you think you're smart, but you don't know anything about life yet. We're allowing all those people to control everything. Instead of saying, sit down and shut up. Because you don't know what you're talking about. First point here. So I want you to think about that for a second. I mean, that's what's going on. All the humble people, all the people that have lived life and know they know something now, not because they learned it because they wanted to. They learned it because they messed up every, every, every step of the way. They learned it the hard way. Call it street smarts. All the street smarts people are like, well, maybe I don't really know because I did mess up big time. So oh, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'll probably mess up again because I'm, I'm an idiot. All those people that we should want our children like learning from and uh, emulating because they have a sense of humility. They know their faults. They're trying to be better. Instead of those people stepping up, all the idiots in the room, This is, let's just call it let's call it spade a spade. It's mostly like the super rich white liberal women for the most part. All the men that are agreeing with them, they're just trying to sleep with them. Let 
or they were, or they succumbed to it and were wrapped up in it when they were kids. And now they can't get out of it, and no one will tell them the damn truth. And I just said, "Damn, real, real redneck." I don't know why it came out like that. But we're letting these. Like, I mean, if we will acknowledge this, this like effect, this syndrome, and realize it's going on, we can solve this thing overnight. There's an old, there's an old adage that says like. If you're young and you're not a liberal, you have no heart. If you are older and not a conservative, you don't have a brain. We are letting a generation of people that it was fine when they were young because they were, you know, they were idealistic. They all they only had themselves to worry about. Reality hadn't punched them in the face yet. And they kept growing up and being coddled and they've never like they've never had to face the music their life is still in turmoil but they're just they keep lying to themselves and they never grew up to realize like okay I was a I was an idiot when I was 20 so that's my first that's my first point of the show is like let's challenge ourselves going forward when we start seeing these people running around, running their trap, you know, listen, we don't have to be mean about it. Pull them to the side back. Hey, listen, bro. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know what we're talking about. You oh oh oh. You don't think I should make the kids run it in practice? Oh oh. So you think that you don't think it matters if they're in good condition? Because it doesn't matter if they win. It's just because we just want them to play so they feel good. We just want them to win. Nope. Oh it oh it doesn't matter if like the little boy is giving good male role models and giving and men around him to kind of josh him a little bit. I won't say bully, but poke at him a little bit. Make him uh you know, I always always tell my son, I'm like, listen, I'm gonna say very few good things to you. But if I'm not saying if I'm not like being mean to you, I don't like you. If I ain't giving you a nickname, making fun of you. I don't like I don't like you. Oh, you oh that makes them feel bad now? No it no it doesn't. You don't un, you don't know what you're talking about. Little boys need that. They need a loving a loving person around them to to almost set them up, prepare them for the fact that hey, you know I love you and I'm just saying like, hey, I ain't giving you no credit. I'm going to try to beat you. And tuck them in at night and say, "Hey, but listen, you're still under the safety of your own home." All right, like if you don't, if we don't give them that along the way, they're not. Then they're really not going to know how to handle it, and that's when they're going to go off the deep end. So, let's go to our first story it's from the Daily Wire, Amanda Harding. It's a news and analysis article says, "Fat acceptance activists insist childhood obesity isn't a problem." After all. That's just white supremacy. Who to thunk it? She says, destigmatizing obesity for kids may be the newest frontier of the fat acceptance movement. At least that's the goal of author Virginia Soul Smith. That's definitely a white woman. Her new book, Fat Talk, Parenting in the Age of Diet Culture, advocates for parents learning to embrace their overweight children just the way they are. 
She also believes in letting kids eat whatever they want, including candy and sweets, without forcing them to try vegetables or enjoy balanced meals or traditionally healthy foods. The author is a self-described anti-diet journalist. In her article titled, What If You Weren't Scared of Your Kid Being Fat? Soul Smith said that one of the most common questions parents ask is how often their kids should be able to eat certain foods. Using the example of ice cream, she gave her usual response. This is her usual response. There are seven days in a week. Your child can have ice cream seven days a week. There's no law against this. She said while insisting that if a parent inquired over their teenager asking for an entire box of Oreo cookies, her response would be pour a glass of milk so they can dunk them. 41-year-old mother of two makes the argument that limiting certain foods just makes them more appealing to kids. Her approach assumes that children learn self-control by not having any rules at all, thereby making sugary treats less exciting. Here's that whole thing again. If I don't let them have screens now, they're just going to rebel. And they'll, then they'll for sure watch porn. We gotta let them. We gotta let them meet the Oreos now. The Teddy, the Teddy Grams. We gotta let them eat them. Otherwise, once they get out of the house, they're just gonna start stuffing their face and be. They'll be. They'll be super. Instead of being like pretty fat, they'll be super fat. We don't want that. Vegetables are the least important part of it to me. She told the publication they have their whole lives to decide if they want to eat kale. That's the stupidest they ever heard. She also described some of the dinner rules at her house, which include no pressure to listen to your body. There it is. Right there it is. Right there it is. Yeah, sure. They'll want to eat kale after a lifetime of Oreos. This is, this is probably one of those women It's like going around her house screaming patriarchy all the time. And would think it was like the most horrific thing on the planet if her husband like smacked her on the ass when her kids were around. Heaven forbid. The kids know their daddy loves their mommy. Patriarchy. Sol Smith attempts to debunk the childhood obesity epidemic in the United States by arguing that society's fear of fatness can be detrimental, more detrimental than minors being overweight. The real danger to a, child, to a child in a larger body is how we treat them for having that body, she writes in Fat Talk. Get ready for this, because this, this stuff's coming. The fat acceptance activist arguments are similar to those made by individuals promoting transgender rights for children. They say that kids should be able to tell us who they are no matter how young they are. But these adults seem to ignore the fact that they are meant to be the ones in charge. Children learn eating habits from their parents. Parents and other trusted adults have traditionally served as guides to show children how to exist in the world. Minors literally don't have the mental capacity to understand the long-term effects of eating cookies for dinner every night. That's why there's age restrictions on, ta on getting a tat, purchasing bows. Soul Smith, which is... The, the, the trans, or I'm sorry, the fat kid promoter or whatever. 
that's obviously suffering from the Dunning-Kruger effect. Obviously. She's obviously overestimating her knowledge in everything parenting. She thinks that kids should be running the show and that everyone should be more accepting of overweight people because ultimately their mental health trumps the physical risk of being obese. Maybe that's just where we draw the line in the sand. Maybe we literally draw a line down America, down, down America and say, if you're okay, I'm not saying if you're fat, you're on one side of the line, and if you're not, you're on the other. I'm saying if you think it's literally good, a good thing that kids are fat, go to that line, go to that side of the line. If you want to promote healthy lifestyles, and if your child ends up having some kind of a health condition, that makes it super hard for them not to like be at a de- at a, at what be considered an ideal weight. Then you go to the other side of it. Because there are gonna be kids that just you know have some kind of diabetes or something like that. But again, like we can't even have compassion for those kids because there's so many kids that are just fat because they're fat and not because of some kind of health condition. It's impossible to know. But and mind you, that's what's happening with the LGBTQ whatever movement right now as well. That three percent of the population, and that's been a consistent surveyed number over the last several decades that's gay. We can't even be tolerant of them now. Because as you'll see in a second, twenty five percent of people of, of kids today are unsure what their gender is. So I'm, I'm putting out a, 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 a warning flare to what I'll call a normal LGBT person or LGB or whatever. I don't know about the T word. You better go find the people in your community to get this Dunning-Kruger effect going on in their lives and you better get them out. Or they're going to ruin it for y'all. And here we're get, about to get to the about to get to the, the best part of this article. Meanwhile, the CDC called childhood obesity a serious, a serious problem. Well, because it leads to high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, breathing problems such as asthma and sleep apnea and joint problems. And listen, I can talk about this issue because I'm from southeast Kentucky. I've been fat. I ain't right now, but I'll, I mean, I will be again, I'm sure, at some point in time. I got all kinds of people in my family with, with diabetes. Multiple multiple feet amputated. All right? All kinds of smokers, sleep at me, all that. So it ain't like I'm some elitist. That, like, everybody, I've, I've always been rich and everybody in my family's got money and healthy and all that. No. I'm actually the guy that is like, you're killing people. Because if, there's people if in East Kentucky if, if this becomes if this becomes like relevant or like prevalent, that whole area'll be dead. It's already hard enough to not be a fat ass down there. There might be there's like three apples in my whole county at the moment. They reported that nineteen point seven percent of children aged two to nineteen were classified as obese. Twenty one in five kids. And yes, that doesn't mean they're spread out one in every five. It means that it's 
for the if you go out and about, you could if you go to rich, uh, richer areas, people where they have resources and stuff. It may it's probably one out of ten, but then you go to like Eastern Kentucky, you go to the hood, you go like it's like four out of five or five out of five, and then in the rich areas, it's zero out of five. Okay. Soul Smith went on NPR's Fresh Air podcast to promote her new book. She said that the pursuit of weight loss is rooted in... I'm going to give you one second to think in your head. You're right. White supremacy. The thin ideal is definitely a white ideal. When we trace the history of modern diet culture, we realize we really trace it back in the United States to the end of slavery. First of all, this is true. It's dumb. Because if anything, white people should be like all behind being fat. Especially dudes. I can tell you right now, I can count on, if I had no hands, I could count on, I could count on those, on those no hands. How many white dudes I know, which is like a natural six pack. I can, it take me all night. It take me all night to name off all, all the white dudes I know. They just, just ripped out of their mind. Wake up out the bed. Wash their clothes on their abs. No, no white dudes like that. She says, obviously, white supremacy is trying to maintain the power structure. So celebrating a thin white body as the ideal body is is a is a way to other and demonize black and brown bodies, bigger bodies, anyone who doesn't fit into that norm. So this is really about maintaining systems of white supremacy. If you can't understand, if you can understand that, actually, by continuing to pursue thinness, you are on some level maintaining your complicity with white supremacy and patriarchy. She continued. Because fat people are discriminated against in the same way that other minority groups experience racism or other forms of bias. I'm gonna ask all y'all a question. Do does anybody give a damn about being caught about being called a racist anymore? I mean, if somebody was a, a, a legit racist, I wouldn't even believe you. Cause you're telling me I'm a racist. Because I don't want little kids to be fat. And because I think my skinny blonde white wife is hot. That I'm racist. What are you talking about? I wish there was a picture of this, or this chick. I bet she's ugly. That's what it is. You know, I almost always trace it back to that. I've already done an episode on that before. That uh, Liberal Democrat women just, they don't, you know, they don't tend to be the ones you want to like look up their video podcast list and listen to it that way. You want to watch, you know, if you're gonna listen, you listen on like, you listen on Apple. Let's do it that way. Maybe even find them like AM radio or something. <clears throat> we as a culture have really zeroed in on weight because we think that's the piece that we should be able to control, but not only do we not have very much control over weight, what? It also won't fix anything else. <clears throat> the author told the NPR, all it really ends up doing is pathologizing kids' bodies and giving parents extra pressure and extra guilt and these sort of unrealistic standards we can't get to. So there you go. Now a healthy lifestyle 
not promoting a healthy lifestyle for your kids is harmful. So that's harmful. It's harmful to like promote traditional values. It's harmful to tell a boy you're a boy or a girl you're a girl. It's harmful now to tell him like mm, you can't eat like pig. You can't. Now that's bad. It's harmful. Remember that word harm. Because they said that in here. And it goes on to tell you about how this author experienced a, a traumatic event with her daughter, like with one of her young daughters, you know, getting getting sick and having to go on a feeding tube and stuff. And like, there you go, there it is. All right, next thing. <clears throat> I'll try to get through these these quickly. Make this big. I'm gonna talk about two different things here. All right. This right here isn't up on the isn't up on the screen. This came out from the CDC Centers for Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on Thursday, April twenty seventh, using data from twenty twenty one. About one in four high school students identifies as LGBTQ. In 2021, 75.5% of high school students identified as heterosexual. The CDC's Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance Systems found. Among high school students, 12.2% identified as bi, 5.2% as questioning, 39 as other, 2.2% as gay or lesbian, and 1.8% said they didn't understand the question. The CDC says the number of LGBTQ students went from 11% in 2015 to 26% in 2021. Now, they're getting ready to put out a disclaimer. But 2015 to 2021, that I mean, I think we all will sit here and admit, and this is anecdotal, I know, but like I bet I want to challenge some of y'all to go out and help me try to find this, this data of what changed. But that seems to be about the time when things changed in our educational system and they started really hammering this stuff home. And I'm actually, we're getting ready to talk about the slides that you can see right now. That actually does that also supports that. That comes from that comes from Statista.com. They throw out this is increases in the percentage of LGBTQ plus students in twenty twenty one might be a result of changes in question wording to include students identifying as questioning. I am not sure about my sexuality, my sexual identity, or other. I describe my sexual identity in some other way. The report reads. But here's the thing. If anybody's answering the questions that way because they, they put those options in there, n none of my kids would answer that, would answer that way. They, w they wouldn't even, they would be like, what in the hell? They would be thinking, what in the hell is this even talking about? What? Because they've never even heard it. So the fact, it's like, they're putting that disclaimer in there because the CDC knows this is crazy. It's crazy that 25% of people, of little kids, of like, we're going to see here is like uh, Gen Z or whatever, I guess Gen Z people, one in four are saying they're, that they're gay. Anybody with any kind of like educational background would know that that would be totally unsustainable. The, the, 
the human race would be gone without people like me. I mean, I mean there are people like me out there, and I've always told my wife the reason I haven't, you know, I haven't gotten a vasectomy because in an, in an apocalyptic situation, I may be needed. I'm a very I'm a very fertile person. You know, that joke. If you didn't laugh at it, my wife doesn't either. But am I joking or am I serious? I don't know. Among now, here we go. Listen to this. Among high among the high school students, these are kids from like thirteen to eighteen. So fifty-seven percent have had no sexual conduct in their lives. That sounds like a really good number, but like I'm sure in the sixties is probably like fifties is probably like ninety. And I have to admit, like I said, I have to admit this is again. I'm not suffering from the Dunning Kruger effect because I'm very aware of the fact that like my life is an outlier, and that any knowledge that I have isn't because I acquired it in a uh, in a uh, way that I wish I would have acquired it, or that a way a parent would want their child to acquire it. I, I was having I, I was having sex in middle school. I didn't got I didn't even, I, before they even started asking the question. Thirty. Here we go though. Thirty-four point six percent had sexual contact with someone of the opposite sex. Six percent had sexual contact with both sexes. And only two point and only two and two point four percent had sexual contact with only the same sex. So it's like I don't even know what to make of that. So it's like two point four percent have only had sex with the same sex. Which makes them gay, right? But twenty five percent are considering themselves LGBTQ. I don't I don't I don't even know what I don't even know what that means. It basically means that now there's more people that ain't gay than are gay that say they're gay. So it it's not concerns with me that are racing gay people. It's people that are making a mockery of what being gay is. I mean, you literally could have a straight person, a, 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 a boy having sex with a girl saying they're LGBT. Tell me how that's a sustainable model. Now we're going to talk about this chart. You can see here, share of American adults who identify as LGBT by birth year. So if you think the CDC was off base here, this backs it up. You can't, really see, you can't see the whole thing, so I'm going to move it. There we go. So you'll see here, basically, the percentage of boomers, Gen X, and tr traditionalists, traditionalists being b born before 1946, boomers born between 46 and 64, and Gen X was 65 to 80, it's remained basically the same. 3.3% of the population, 2.7% of the population, 1.7% of the population. For millennials, 
It's 11.2% say they're LGBT. And for Gen Z, so this is like people that were born between from 97 to 04, which would put them smack dab in high school in 2015. Smack dab. 20% of them say they're LGBT. Now you may ask, why does the, why does that matter? It's gonna get me to my next point. This matters. Those two stats and showing that you got Statista, you got CDC, basically saying, basically reporting the same thing. That the that the problem is mostly lying in one age demographic that began. To graduate high school right around 2015, 2016. What could have changed? I know what it was. We just had a whole whole slew of people forever that had some dangling between their legs that it was, but they really were women and they just didn't know it. You that's all that's all it was. Man, it was just women that had that had wieners for this whole time, and we just didn't know it. Who'd have thunk it? <clears throat> that's not what that's. If you heard that and you agreed with it, please just—I don't even want you as a listener, because I—I'm not in this for the money. So just exit out. Put me on your ban list. It's because this nonsense, the primary delivery system for it is the public education system. The left has thoroughly ingrained it in society that teachers are heroes and heroines, heroines or whatever you want to say, to never be questioned. And my mom's a teacher, okay? Like, I know this is true because it's like, heaven forbid, somebody I tried to find a teacher back in the day. Lord, my, my, my Aunt Dorothy, Lord have mercy. I'd, she, I'd never gotten none of her cake brownies. I didn't even like them things anyway. Lord, she, she'd overcook her brownies. It was basically cake. But I think Teacher women, I think brownies that aren't brownies that are actually cake and that aren't any good. Because my Aunt Dorothy. Oh. Lord, Lord love her. She's in heaven today and she's a, she's a saint. But she definitely bought into that. They've infiltrated the education system. They've told you you're not allowed to question it. They've also told you that it's okay. We'll take care of your kids. We'll have we'll, we'll take them all day. We'll pick them up. We'll drop them off. You can sign one permission slip, and we'll just take care of them all day. And we've took it hook, line, and sinker 
because we've all been lazy. Well, we got to stop it. All right, so now I'm about to read this article by this dude named Jason Bailey from the Kentucky Lantern. He's also with the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy or something like that. Dude is just like, a, he's a, I mean, he looks, looks about what you'd expect him to look like. Has like some, has a hairdo, looks like you'd be on the set of Friends or something. Him and Andy Bashir, I mean, like, his wife's probably super ripped like Andy's is, and he ain't done a curl or a bench press in a decade. Glass, all, like, I'm already, he already blocked me on Twitter because I tweeted at him once. Tweeted at him, whatever you call it. We're going to read this article. Okay, it says, the school, year, the school year will end soon, but a new strategy to dismantle public education is just beginning. So you see over here, they know that they're going to drive this bullshit home. And I'm sorry, preacher man, I know you're listening, but God, so listen, there's this bad language is necessary sometimes to get the point across. Because this stuff is like, I mean, this stuff is from the devil. I'm trying to snap some people. I'm trying to wake some people up on what's going on here. And like the words I want to use, I want to go all Dave Chappelle on people so maybe people listen to it that way. But I'm trying to keep it under control and keep it to like S words and D words and the H word. All right, I'm trying. But this right here is proving to you. These, these polls, these charts are proving to you that... Their delivery system is efficient. They are achieving their goals in light speed in a light speed manner. One in five of our babies, if they were in high school right now, would think they were gay. Actually, I just don't want to say gay. They think they're LGBT because I don't even really know what that means. I, if they told me they were gay, I could understand that. I, I might not agree with it, but like I can understand it, and know that like their life could still at least be somewhat normal for them. And like I know enough gay people to know that like they they live normal, like they live you know normal lives, whatever. They have jobs and are happy and don't have dogs and you know what I mean. Like you know, you know what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say like a big on that, but like. When you tell me that only two percent of those people are had sex are are having sex with the same sex, which means you're gay, but twenty five percent of them are saying they're LGBT. I don't know what the hell, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't I don't even I can't understand it. And that's the point. The system is trying to confuse our children. And I know some good teachers, and I'm sorry. I do know y'all. I've been consistent on this. I know there are plenty of good teachers in this world. I know that. The problem is the bad ones outweigh your influence because you won't imprint your values on them. You're scared. You don't think it's your place because, again, you're fighting a different battle. You're a good person. Satan is the other pe- the other person. Your battle tactics can't win the war. And so I'm not trying to make you a casualty in this thing, but like it ain't my job to save another adult. 
the children are are struggling and only God knows what's going to happen to these kids. It, I mean, from a lot of them, the damage is already done. You sat back and let it happen. You 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 did the a curriculum. You gave them the surveys that you knew were wrong, that you knew shouldn't have been out there. Why you went to church and you went to church on Sunday? Now again, I'm not saying that you're a terrible person. I do bad. I've done. I've not been a perfect person. Lord, everybody knows that. But we know this is the case now. Okay, I have problems with me right now that I know I should change them, and I'm not. So I'm not judging you. It just is what it is. And my problems aren't getting in the way of millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of children's futures. So just know with everything I'm doing, I'm trying to reform the system. But it's getting more and more apparent to me that unfortunately, it's just not going to, it can't, I don't think it can be done. The Federal Department of Education, the State Departments of Education, every single collective bargaining agreement we have in this state and every other state, we have to stop, we have to cut them off and cancel them. We have to re-interview everybody. We have to reassess every position in the system. If after the initial reassessment, we decide we're even going to do it at all. Because kids aren't learning to read, they aren't learning to write, they aren't coming out to be and being productive members of society. Because we're teaching kids to be questioning if they are a male or female. When we know what they are. Instead of helping them balance a checkbook. Or decide if it's a smart fiscal decision to go to college. And acquire debt when you're wanting to go to college to be an artist. So it's Jason Bailey guy. I'm just gonna read. You, I'm probably gonna go about, go about through all this whole article, but I think I'll be done before the, before the hour. So on April 28th, he said, "Public schools are at the heart of our communities, yet powerful interests have led a decades-long national effort to undermine them." Their strategy is morphing, but the ultimate goal remains the same. Replace the grand American tradition of common schools with private education. Here's what you need to be afraid of, Mr. Jason Bailey. The decades-long effort, the heavy hitters wasn't even in it 10 years ago. Brother, I go hard in the paint, dude. And I'm playing for keeps, and I'm not asking permission. And I don't care if I make people mad. I got God on my side. Okay, the people that like, you know, had the gloves on and were trying to play nice out there and like play by the rules and have referees out there and like, you know, take a break between uh between rounds and all that. That's who you was dealing with over this decades long battle. I've been in the game for a, like a year and a half, and I'm bringing in more soldiers, and we are taking our country back, our communities back. I got chill bumps thinking about it. So I just got Jason Bailey. I hope you are listening. I hope you got a target on my back. I want it on my back. I'm Jack Nicholson and a few good men. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. If I'm suffering from Dunning-Kruger, the Dunning-Kruger effect at all, it's, it's in this. I, I want 
to be the martyr that saves that saves my kids' future. I want it. You know why? Because I know that like I don't know that I have what it takes long term. My dad was dead six months about six months from the day from today in his life. I tell much I in six six months from now I'll I'll have outlived my father. I don't have I can't even picture myself being old. I'm literally not living for that. I'm tr- I mean I'm tr- I want to do something important. I I want what these kids need in their lives. They don't need to be questioned their boy or girl. They want meaning. They want to know that God loves them. So yeah, our strat- their their strategy is morphing because we're making them morph it. it. Says the corporate lobbyists and free market ideologues working to dismantle public education have many motivations. And see, he still don't even get it. The real people that are driving this movement forward, which I'm not gonna say I'm at the I'm at the forefront or anything. But those like me don't give a damn what the free market ideologues and corporate lobbyists, what their motivations are. We don't care. We're not trying to get paid off of this. If the end result means more options for more families, if somebody gets rich off of it, I don't care. I just don't want... Somebody getting rich is better than somebody saying, well, I'm not. I'm willing to be poor if I can indoctrinate kids and make them all think, make all the boys think they're girls. Okay, I don't care. Teachers' unions are a powerful voice, and breaking them is a part of a broader effort to weaken worker power. If workers are intentionally or unintentionally ruining the future prospects of children, I'll weaken their power all day long. I mean, you you just you don't understand what's at stake and what's being what's at play here. You think you're smarter than you are. You have no idea. You probably don't even have kids, bruh. You probably don't. You have ne- like, listen. You've been going up against these free market ideologues and uh, the lobbyists your whole life. You ain't never went up against a redneck that ain't got nothing to lose. That I shouldn't even be here anyway. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here anyway. You have never went up against somebody with the back with like. You've got us. You've got us pinned in a corner. With no outs. Anybody that's ever fought anybody knows the minute you pin a dude in a corner without it without anywhere to go, you better have him you better have him uh hands up because we're gonna be we're gonna be throwing bows at you. You better be ready. But dude, I mean you I'm just saying you're fighting a new it's a different breed of people. 
It's people that 40 years ago didn't have a say. All right, It's a lot of people like me. It's a lot of African-American people. That have made it out and and feel like they shouldn't be here either. They're they're like me. They're on the opposite side of the Dunning Kruger effect. I'm so aware of how stupid I am that I can't even admit it when I do have knowledge of something. They're like that too. They're like, it's humble people in this thing. It's people from all all spectrum society: black, white, Asian, Indians, whatever. It's you and your rich white elitist liberals. Ruining everybody else. And we're through with it. With the sissy nature of it. We're tired of it. Public schools are the biggest item in state budgets. <laughs> At least you're admitting that. So, def so defunding them makes room for tax cuts that benefit the wealthy corporations. And there's money to be made for profit privatizers. Offering computer-based schools staffed with low-wage proctors rather than well-trained equity paid teachers. You literally just... You just explained what schools were like for like two years. What are you talking about? You're an idiot. I can't even believe I'm reading your article right now because you're such a, you're so stupid. Mike said, take out a little note here. Like by workers, you mean certified, or if, if you mean by workers, you mean entitled crybabies that call themselves heroes. Then yes, any teacher that still believes that their unions are benevolent and good are fools. And yes, I'm trying to weaken them. Yes. Explicitly. I'm trying to weaken them. That's probably a good way of putting it. I'm not trying to weaken the others. And I believe that the, other, the ones that aren't like that will actually rise. For these proponents, moving away from public schools is also about narrowing the purpose of education to that of creating a compliant workforce. Without strong public schools, we have a weaker democracy with fewer knowledgeable and engaged citizens than quest that, that can question authority. And a workforce only focus could even funnel kids more quickly into low-wage low jobs, a corporate goal revealed by recent policy changes that are rolling back child labor laws in 11 states. I want to analyze this. Moving away from public schools is also about narrowing the purpose of education. He's saying right there, the purpose of our public education right now is so broad and so general that no one's even coming out of it competent. Children aren't even coming out of it competent. He's like, oh, my kid is, my kid is. Anecdotally, Whatever. Your one kid cannot save society. You're right. We absolutely want to narrow the purpose of public education. That's an emphatic fact. That I'm glad you know we want to do that. We want them to be able to read at an extremely high level. Right. We want them to understand the scientific process. We want them to understand the thing called technology that's in front of their face all the time. We don't want them here like, being asked what their pronouns are to, on the first day of school every day or every year. 
So yes, sir, we do want to narrow the purse of education. And if by creating a compliant workforce, you mean a workforce that can determine their own path forward in a, in a, in a way to where like it doesn't have to be straight conflict with their employers all the time because they're choosing to work there. Right now, nobody's choosing to work anywhere because they don't have any skills. So they literally are begging for the job to work at Amazon or UPS or Uber or whatever. Like, but don't think I'm too stupid to know that we've had an almost 1,000% increase Almost a thousand percent increase in administrative workers that work at central office in our education system. Whereas we've had like a two hundred percent increase in teacher pay, or it might even be less than that. Since like nineteen seventy or something. It's disingenuous. You just think money flows in and it doesn't matter what the product is. And that's why my kids could all beat up your kids if you have any. Because we live intentionally. We don't live in la-la land. <clears throat> and I don't think we've ever had a weaker democracy than now. I mean, y'all think that I want, I'm like trying to roll back voting laws? No, I'm actually worried you're rolling them back. Because if we don't get things back to a like a middle ground here, there will come a day in the near future where you got people trying to take away women's right to vote because it's all the crazy white liberal women that are causing all this. I think we should put in a masculinity test. If you can't curl like 60, pound dumb, uh, 60 pounds on a curl bar, preach curl bar, like six to eight times, you shouldn't be able to vote. You'd be out, Jason Bailey. You'd be out. If you can't do this, those of y'all that can't, aren't watching, I'm not even going to tell you what I'm doing because it's ridiculous. If you can't do that, you can't vote. How about that? If, if, you're, a, if you're a male. I don't know, it's probably, it's probably a bad approach because then we just have, you know, just be encouraging people to, males to say they're females more. <laughs> but the original head-on approach of replacing public schools with private school vouchers has been unpopular. Fortunate proponents of the modified strategy, yada, yada. So there's a second prong to the strategy, slowly cut funding for public schools to make them less effective and thereby fuel calls for privatization. Actually, the effective nature and the efficiency of it, I mean, I, I, hope, I hope in 10 years when the dust has settled and y'all are like, hopefully in prison, hopefully you're in prison, y'all have time to think about what y'all could have done, how much good you could have done with the almost 50% of most states' budgets. We've only had a Republican-led legislature in Kentucky since 2017. In 2017, we had a $1.4 billion education budget. In 2022, it was $1.9 billion. All on that same time frame, 25% of kids have been going to these schools every day 
and now think they don't think they're gay because only 2% of them are having sex with same-sex sex. All right. Which is what gay is. But 25% are saying they're something. The next step is never let a serious crisis go to waste. The Great Recession and the weak subsequent recovery hammered tax receipts in states like Kentucky claimed they had no choice but to cut school funding for more than a decade. That's also when Governor Matt Bevin went on the attack against teachers' pensions. Well, first of all, we've increased the state budget by half a billion dollars since 2017. And Matt Bevin was just trying to tell people like my mom, if you don't listen to what I'm saying, you're retiring when you're 52, so you got half your life left to live. There ain't going to be no money there, sweetheart. That's all he was trying to tell you. However, the COVID-19 crisis is allowing the process to restart. Congress passed strong economic stimulus legislation that helped the economy soar while the pandemic hampered supply chains, spurring inflation. Helped the economy soar. <laughs> I mean, put fake money out there. Those factors created large but temporary budget surpluses, which Kentucky is using not to reinvest in schools, but as an excuse to permanently and deeply cut the revenue source for nearly half the state budget, the individual income tax. I don't actually disagree with that statement. Because I do think that um, the surplus we have that we think the, makes it okay to lower—it's like it's not going to keep—it's not going to keep continuing to come in. We're not going to get those COVID funds. Doesn't mean I disagree with like lowering taxes. It just means that like if we're thinking we—if our justification for lowering them is because we have this big surplus, that big surplus wasn't because of an increased tax receipts of people paying into the system. It's because of coronavirus. COVID also plays a role in, the, in a culture war in which fighting woke schools is the newest element of the anti-public education strategy. Frustration over school closures mutated into manufactured moral panics, ranging from alleged critical race theory in school curriculum to attacks on support for LGBTQ plus students. All you got to do is look up your, the curriculum in your schools. Every single one of y'all. There's going to be critical race theory stuff in there. I'm not even going to go into it because honestly, it's no one thing. It, they're literally it's, they're literally layering it in every subject area. It doesn't matter if it's art, math, history. It doesn't matter. They want white kids to feel bad about themselves, and they want every kid who who's a heterosexual that is attracted to the op to the opposite sex. They want them to feel bad about themselves. It's just point blank. I don't even know what to say. I, it's like it's not the it's not the teachers in the schools that are that are creating the curriculum, but they are administering it. It is what it is. I'm not even trying to be mean. I'm tired of that. I can't. It just is what it is. Which brings up the other flank of the coalition for school privatization. Those backing a cultural ideology tinged with religious nationalism and race and gender hierarchy. There's a long history here as well with school choice efforts rooted in attempts to maintain racial segregation. That part of the coalition has a somewhat energized base, though its mean-spirited positions are, spanking and or are sparking an organized backlash. 
whether the coalition of market and cultural fundamentalists is big enough to continue the move away from public schools is yet to be seen. This emerging debate is one of the toughest tests this Congress has ever faced. The outcome depends on how many people understand the stakes and join the fight. And damn it, I understand the stakes. And you ain't ready for the smoke, Jason Bailey. You don't have the stamina. I will outread you. I will outright you. I will outfight you. Brain or brawn. Toe to toe. I'm in the trenches every day countering this crap. Coaching every sport under the freaking sun. Encouraging everybody at my church to start stepping up. Every man, be a man. Be a father of your children. Love your wife. Do right by her. Treat her like Jesus treated, like, love her like Jesus loved the church, right? I'm up at midnight right now doing a podcast, totally out of my comfort zone, that I know I'm, that I'm not a high enough caliber individual to be doing. Because I'm the opposite side of the Dunning-Kruger effect. You're on the idiot side of it. You think you're little curls in your hair and your, your glasses that make you look like a goober, make you like super smart. Not intimidated by you, man. You calling me a religious nationalist doesn't bother me. Yes, I love Jesus and I love the United States of America. And I love the citizens in it. And I hope the best for people everywhere else. But it's unsustainable for me to not to, for me to worry about I, I, yeah you're right I don't want money going to Ukraine I don't I don't like my church throwing money to Africa I don't want to say Africa because I think I'm being racist it's out of the country I want them to send the money to South Side of Chicago the West End of Louisville Appalachia we got people right here that need help yes I do, I do want to promote traditional family values I didn't have a dad. I grew up in poor Eastern Kentucky. My dad died of a drug overdose. I was having sex when I was 13 years old. How I'm not dead or in prison, I don't know. Yes, you are right. I want those, I want my, those things for my family. And I think that most people want those as well. Black people, Mexican people, white people, Asians. That's why people come here. They think we still what we were in forty years ago. You're the one trying to maintain racial segregation. I coach an integrated sports team. I pur- I purposely I love the football team my kids play on solely because. They get to experience other races and get to go into areas of the city of Louisville they never they would never go to otherwise. I take my daughters to practice me every night because I want them to be around other black young men.
Because those are the type of young men that where their parents believe in the same values. And they want them to go through hard things. They want them to go through adversity and see what it's like to fail and to pick your pick yourself up and keep fighting. And win or lose, you got your people. I want my daughters to marry people like a man like that. I don't care the color they are. You're the one who wants to segregate people because you 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 encourage and you support public education systems that want to tell black people that white people don't like them. And it tells white people you're terrible because of past things that your race did and make it even harder for them to have a communication with have communication with each other. Because what young people could have a conversation about that without feeling a certain type of way? You're the one making certain entire segments of women grow up to be totally unhappy because you're telling them they, that they that you're telling a woman you're telling women they can suffice on their own and make it on their own. No, they can't. Biologically, it's like they want a family, they want children, they want a husband. Traditional values are good and we all benefit from them. So just please shut up. I'm going to leave y'all with this. And I had a whole other article. I'll talk about this in another one, I guess. It's actually the other one's actually the one I got the Dunning Kruger thing from. We can no longer be scared of people like Jason. At Jason Bailey with the Kentucky Colonel. Put him on blast. I'm not even saying he's a terrible person. I'm just saying he's stupid. And if I, and I'm not even being mean. If I see him walking down the street, I'll tell him to his face. So the benefits of looking like a crazy person. Everybody assumes I'm. I could go. I could go crazy on him. So like he'll cross the street if he sees me. I promise. Even though if he knew the truth, he could probably whoop me. We gotta stop being scared of people like him. He's he, like all of those in those whatever you'll call them, they're like little kids throwing tantrums. It's time for the real adults in the room to come in, step over them while they're throwing their tantrum. And literally act like they're not even there. Until they pick themselves up and wipe the tears off their face. And get a grip on themselves. And then when they do, it's time for us to say, put the Oreos up. You ain't fat yet, but I don't want you to be fat. So yes, you are going to earn that dessert, and you still might not know, might not get it. And yes, you're going to football practice, and you might not get any playing time. I don't know if you're any good or not. And if you are good, your team may not win any games. I don't know what our bus is like, but by God, you are going. And yes, you're going to run those laps. And yes, when we get home. I'm going to do my other 
manly duties. And husbandly duties that I know I falter in sometimes, but like undoubtedly want to perform them. And I'm gonna make you I'm gonna make I'm talking to my kids now here. I'm gonna make your mother know that I love her and that I care about her and that we're a team and we're best friends. But I'm the dad and she's the mom. So yes, we got to stop worrying about the loudness of these people. They call you a racist, throw the paper, just throw it out. It doesn't mean anything anymore because we're, because you're not. I'm not. You're a sexist. Whatever, dude. No, I'm not. Look at my wonderful family. My kids, my wonderful kids. My, t- my three-year little boy will open the door for you. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, yeah. You're misogynist. No, I'm not. Racist. No, I'm not. You're something. No. And you are the, you're the bottom rung of everything, and no, we just, not you all, but that person that's saying that to us. Says, get rid of them. And let's do what we need. What we know needs to be done. Appreciate y'all listening. I ran a long night. I want to encourage all y'all to take whatever you can take from what I've said. Apply it to your own life. Make it better. Send me an email. It's at waytoomuchmedia.com. Text, DMs on Twitter, whatever. Share, like, comment on the show. Negative, positive, I don't care. I'm not like Jason. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna block you. If I said something stupid, I, then I need to put up put on blast. Appreciate y'all for listening, for listening to my rant. Hope it. Uh, hope it brought something to your day. Thanks for listening. To Way too much, MC. Till next time, we'll holler at you.